Hello, and welcome to the Cultivating Confidence podcast. I am your host, Dr. Nicole Grams. I am a life coach who specializes in anxiety, health, and human design. And I also happen to be a functional medicine pharmacist. This podcast is a compilation of conversations that I've had with clients and colleagues. So listen in as we explore the mind, body, and soul's confidence in its many forms. Welcome to today's topic, which is nourishing calm. And what I mean by that is when you're, there's, there's kind of two parts to anxiety and mental health. One of them is obviously the brain and what brain is thinking, what brain is feeling, all of those things. And then there's also the physical part of the body and the the role that the body plays in anxiety and mental health. So what we're going to be talking about today is how to help, um, kind of calm the body down so that it is working in conjunction with your brain to bring more calm into your life. Um, and you can't have one without the other, not completely at least. So like, for example, if you are eating a bunch of terrible food, lots of ultra processed food, lots of sugar, lots of inflammatory things, your mental health, your anxiety is not ever going to be at its peak. At the same time, if you have a brain that is constantly spiraling in anxious thoughts and beliefs and things that you are leaving un, um, unexamined, it is never going to allow your physical body to be at peak health because the thoughts that you have literally cause hormones to be released in your body. And if you have lots of stress hormones being released because of simple thoughts that you have, and sometimes they don't seem so simple. So I'm, I'm not going to discount that. Um, but if you're allowing your brain to run crazy, your body will never be at its peak. Let's talk about the impact that food has on mental health first, because that seems to be one of the easier things to talk about. One of the easier things to kind of make shifts on. Um, and it, it all kind of starts with you are what you eat the cells in your body, every single cell in your body is made up of food that you have consumed, right? And if you don't get all of the nutrients that the body needs in order to build these cells, in order to build the neurotransmitters, in order to build the hormones and, and everything else that your body needs in order to communicate with itself, it sends signals to the brain that something is wrong. So if you're missing nutrients, signals get sent to the brain that something's wrong. Nutrient deficiencies can come from a lot of different things. It can come from a lack of nutrition in your diet. It can come from medications that deplete nutrients that you're not replacing at the rate that they should be, be because they're being depleted from medications. Um, it could be um, increased stress, anything that um, is going to cause more hormones to be made in the body is going to use up some of the nutrients faster than normal. And also anything else that puts stress on the body, anything that's going to tax the liver, that um, the liver uses a lot of nutrients that you consume. So if you are putting stress on it, whether that's, you know, alcohol or drugs or toxins or, you know, tobacco, any, anything like that is going to put extra emphasis on the nutrient um, needs of your body. Um, that being said, 
when you have nutrient deficiencies, brain sometimes doesn't know how to interpret that signal per se, because if you've been eating highly processed foods, like let's call it, you know, Cheetos or Doritos or, you know, something like that, there are flavors in that food that in nature, if you're experiencing that flavor, it signals to the brain that you're getting the nutrients that you need. So when you are getting those flavors and they're not connected with nutrients in the food, which is true of all these ultra processed things, brain kind of gets tricked and it's like, no, well, I, you've been having these flavors. So like the, you should have nutrients that are available, right? But we're not sure. So that's why, you know, cravings can sometimes be weird. They can be intense, especially for the things with artificial flavors that are not actually, you know, nutrient dense. But anyway, so there's another factor of this in, and that applies to most of us is that if we are tuned out or we're ignoring our body signals, or you're not used to listening to what your body is saying, you're not really going to be sure what it's trying to tell you if it's trying to tell you something. So mixed up signals like this can get brain sent into danger mode. It's like something is wrong. We must be vigilant. There's increased anxiety. You're less able to focus. Um, as far as mood goes, you can get irritable and anxious. And if that happens for a longer time period, it can turn into depression. So basically what happens is the body gets revved up. The immune system is more active. There's more inflammation. There's more likely to be reactions to sensitivities, allergies, you know, eventually there can be an increase in autoimmunity. So if you have an autoimmune disease, that's the biggest risk path factor for having another autoimmune disease pop up because your immune system is so active and it's so vigilant and it's so like looking for all the dangers it sometimes gives, you know, false red flags of your own body. And it starts to attack that. The, uh, along with this, you have, you know, increased blood pressure, your body wants to keep up with the stress hormones, making the stress hormones so that you can survive. So it increases the cholesterol. So it's all kind of a crapshoot. There's a lot going on. It gets all messed up very easily. <laughs> um, the types of foods that contribute to this are, um, like I have mentioned multiple times already, the ultra processed foods. So these are foods that have been stripped of nutrients and don't look like what nature has provided as far as food for us. There's lots of artificial flavors. It's usually fried. Um, you know, we're talking tubular meats, <laughs> so hot dogs, bratwurst, you know, sausages, like those sorts of things are typically very, 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 very processed. There's lots of ingredients thrown in there. Um, alcohol is a factor, sugar and artificial sweeter sweeteners, vegetable oils can be inflammatory, um, like soybean, corn, sunflower oil, all of those. So it's better to opt for olive oil or avocado oil that has a better balance of omega threes, the soybean, corn, and sunflower and, and the, like the vegetable oils, the generic vegetable oils all are very high in omega sixes, which the body needs a little bit of, but it, we're also missing out on the omega threes, like are contained in olive oil and avocado oil. All right. So let's talk about omega threes. Um, well, let's talk about food and nutrients that the body kind of needs anyway. So I'm going to be focusing here on omega threes, magnesium and, and B vitamins, what they do in the body is to help kind of restore calm. There's lots of different things that these nutrients do in the body, but the overall gist of it is that these three combined are sort of the powerhouse of helping to restore calm in the body. So that body doesn't send signals to the brain that you're in danger. So they're very helpful, very useful for lots of different things in the body. 
All right. Introducing foods rich in these nutrients and their calming effects can be again, very helpful to calm the body. So there are omega threes. These are often found in the, uh, what we sometimes will call smash fish. So the salmon, mackerel, anchovy, sardines, and herrings, um, are much better in the omega three category than most other fish that we can eat. Um, some, there are some algae products that have omega threes in there. So that can, if you are vegan or vegetarian, uh, look into those magnesium is a huge one. Magnesium is used in over 250 years. I've heard some places, 300 different, um, processes in every cell in your body. So if you can imagine that if you, you don't even have to be considered deficient in these in order for it to make a difference in the body. So it's sort of like running your running with your gas tank on, you know, barely above empty and hoping that you'll get there versus like having the reassurance that you have a full tank of gas and it's not overflowing. We want to have a good balance somewhere in the middle of having enough to be able to adequately pro adequately, um, do all of the things that every cell needs to do. So magnesium is a big one and I'm not talking magnesium oxide, like is often recommended and it's the most commonly available product over the counter. Magnesium oxide is not, um, very bioavailable. And by the time you get enough in your body, you would be crapping your brains out. So, um, I would avoid that one, but magnesium from food, uh, mostly, um, I recommend green leafy vegetables. So any, I mean, green leafy vegetables are kind of nature's multivitamin. So I would recommend eating those as much as possible. Uh, so spinach, kale, um, lettuce, different types of lettuce, not just iceberg lettuce, um, cabbages, all those sorts of things can have a lot of magnesium in there and also B vitamins. So B vitamins are really good for energy production in the body. And, um, if your cells are producing enough energy, then, you know, there's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot easier to do the things you need to do. So B vitamins, in addition to the leafy greens, very plentiful in like liver and organ meats that not everybody's a huge fan of, but that's, um, that's just where you can find them. Turmeric can also be super helpful in calming the body and reducing inflammation. And that's either spices in food, even though like this, unless you eat a lot of turmeric in your food, the spices in the food is not going to make too much of a difference. So that's where uh, sometimes higher quality supplements with higher doses of turmeric or curcumin can be much better for the body. All right. Let's talk about the influence of gut health on anxiety. And there is what we call the gut brain connection. The gut is often called the second brain because there are so many neurons there. There's the enteric nervous system, um, surrounding all of the, the guts that you have all your intestines. So the gut and the brain communicate through the enteric nervous system, through the vagus nerve, through hormones, through the immune system. The immune system is 70, 70 to 80%, depending on who you ask in the gut. And that is important to note because what you are consuming and what's getting in and what's getting absorbed, that it's important for your immune system to be very present in your GI system or around your GI system so that it can stop things from entering the body. So it's sort of like the guards on the outside of the, of the castle where, you know, we're only going to let the, the, 
ones in that we want and we're going to cut the rest off. Or if they do happen to get in the door, we're there to take care of them immediately. We don't have to worry about them getting in and, you know, trying to take the queen or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, the gut microbiome plays a big role in that. Um, but the gut microbiome in general plays a big role in mental health. When it's balanced, it's making a lot of neurotransmitters. So that we're talking serotonin and dopamine, and those are like the happy chemicals, right? Those, the serotonin and dopamine that are produced in the gut don't necessarily travel up to the brain. They don't travel up to the brain, but it does send happy signals from the neurons in the gut up to the brain to let the brain know that all is well. We don't need to worry about what's happening in the gut. And if the microbiome is off and those serot the serotonin and dopamine are not being made in the gut and sending good signals up to the brain, brain doesn't get those happy signals. And it kind of pushes you into a state of alert. Like I described earlier of the, you know, something's wrong. We're supposed to have these good, happy signals coming and we're not hearing them. What's wrong. We need to look for what's wrong and it's going to increase anxiety. All right. So what can you do with your nutrition in order to make a difference in your mental health? reduce inflammatory foods. So like I said, the ultra processed things, lots of, most of the things like that come in packaging. So we're talking, you know, chips and granola bars and like all kinds of things that are, um, that don't have whole food ingredients in them. So reducing inflammatory foods, reducing things that are causing sensitivities in your body. So a lot of time for a lot of people that is dairy, it can be gluten, and that is not just for celiac disease, people with celiac disease, that is, there is something called a non-gluten or non-celiac gluten sensitivity that a lot of us have to deal with. And that there are lots of different factors that go into that, that I'm not going to have time today to talk about, but gluten can be a sensitivity that your body, it, it's not always GI system issues that you have with it. It can be things like a rash. It can be things like brain fog and like just not being able to um, think as clearly as you would like to, um, anyway, but yeah, so reducing inflammatory foods, reducing foods that might cause, you know, other sorts of reactions in the body that you're not wanting increasing the amount of fruits and vegetables, and that's eating the rainbow of fruits and vegetables. So lots of different colors as frequently as possible, moving your body regularly can be very helpful with mental health. And we'll talk a little bit more about lifestyle practices <clears throat> that can help. Um, right now, I guess, uh, the importance of lifestyle changes in addition to nutrition. So one of the things that I often recommend is the mindfulness factor of managing anxiety. So exploring the different techniques to increase mindfulness, like it can be meditation. It can be journaling. It can be, you know, examining your thoughts, um, anything that you can do to bring more awareness of what's happening inside your head, it, what's happening inside your body, what signals are your body is telling you. So that is anything that will help you take note of what's going on, whether that's, you know, pausing before you eat. So your food is digested better or really doing a, a body scan from head to toe. It can only, it, it only has to take a few seconds to see, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to feel my body. What's going on in my head? Is there anything hurting? Let's move down. Is there tension in my neck and shoulders? What's going on there? Have I been stressed lately? Um, is my heart pounding? Am I worried about something? Am I nervous about something? Am I sweating? Right? So there's, there's lots of different things as you work from head to toe, 
are like, just check in with your body and what is the current status that is going to be very helpful with bringing more mindfulness into your day. So you can start to learn what signals your body is telling you. Let's see, examining your thoughts. That's a super important one um, because sometimes it's really easy to let thoughts go when they're examined and it kind of becomes this big overwhelming thing that doesn't necessarily need to be there. So bringing awareness to that can help you be able to let go of whatever thoughts you have because they don't make sense when you put them to the light of day, when you shine the light on them. Um, it's important to not override your body when it's sending you signals. So if it is telling you, Hey, body needs to rest, don't override that every single time, right? It's just not going to be helpful for you to ignore your body when it's saying, Hey, I've had too much. We need to rest. Um, the whole concept of, you know, we'll sleep when we're dead. <laughs> I've heard that. I actually heard that from somebody this weekend and I was like, no, like that is so unhealthy and is so praised in our society to be overworked. It is not a competition to see who is the most overworked. We want to take care of ourselves so that we can last longer and have a better life. Right. All right. Anyway, the role of exercise in promoting mental well-being. So there are positive physical effects or there are positive effects on mental health and anxiety when you're moving your physical body. There are endorphins that are released. There's more blood flow to the brain and to the body. Things get kind of flushed out a little bit more when there's more blood flow. There's more neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine that are formed. And you, it basically can just improve your mood and reduce anxiety. I'm not talking about the super high intensity, everything like that. Although some people do need more intense workouts, like the high intensity things, the kickboxing, longer distance running, and it can be very helpful for some people. Um, I have heard that this is very helpful for people, especially with ADHD that need a little bit more stimulation in their body in order to be able to focus. That being said, it's not necessary for all people to do high intensity workouts like that. You need to listen to your body and pay attention to how you feel, because even if it's like a moment when you are actively working out and then you stop, you might feel exhausted. You might, you know, hate whoever it was that convinced you to go to this class or whatever it is, but pay attention to how your body feels. If you do it regularly, if you, or even just a few times, how are you feeling? Are you feeling like you have more energy or are you overdoing it and need to kind of back off? And it might be better at a slightly lower intensity, right? So when I, when I say that the high intensity stuff is not necessary for all people, I also want to note that it can be harmful for some people, especially if you've had a lot of long-term stress or if you're in burnout mode, um, it can be a further indication from your body that there's too much going on and it's just going to be exhausting. Um, because if you're, hormone levels have been up for a long time. They actually start to drop off and your cortisol, your stress hormone actually drops lower. And we need cortisol throughout the day, like to wake us up in the morning, to get us going. It's what helps keep us, or it's what helps us feel awake. We don't want to rely on caffeine to feel that way, right? Hopefully 
And naturally your body's going to produce cortisol in the morning, and then it's going to drop off later at night. But if you're super stressed out, it's going to be elevated. And after a certain point, your body just doesn't want to make that much cortisol anymore. And it starts to slow down. And that's when, when you're in burnout mode like that, that's when you can't get enough sleep. You wake up and you're just still exhausted or, um, you start to feel depressed. It can cause some anxiety. You start you, you might notice that your blood pressure is, lo- is lower than it should be at this advanced state and, you know, cholesterol drops off and blood sugar gets weird, right? So just pay attention. Have you been in long-term stress burnout mode? And we need to really cut back on exercise. So in that case, it is not going to be helpful for the body to really go for it every time. And it can be as simple as switching to stretching or going for short walks or longer walks if you're feeling okay, but walking, not running gentle yoga, um, dancing, if it feels good, anything like that can be much more helpful on a stressed out body, right? Cause we want to help bring it down. Um, as far as daily life goes, being able to identify triggers that cause stress Um, and using effective and helpful coping strategies and not turning to things like TV and food and, you know, drugs and gambling and all the things, right. In order to buffer our emotions away and cover them up, we want to be able to feel our feels. And I, when you're stressed out, step one is admitting to yourself, Hey, I'm feeling really stressed right now. Um, my body feels like there's like, it's anxious, Make sure you know what that feels like in your body, because then you can identify it much more quickly and be able to do something about it. Being able to express your needs very clearly is also super important, especially when there are stress triggers going on. You may need something from a partner or from a friend, and you also may feel like a jerk if you're not used to expressing your needs. But imagine what it would feel like if you found out that a dear friend has been suffering in silence because they were afraid to make a simple request of you to change something you were doing, right? That wouldn't feel great. So that is the same in reverse learn what you need, ask for what you need, be willing to get it wrong because sometimes what you think you need and what you actually need are not actually the same thing, but be willing to experiment and try things out in order to be wrong about them (laughs) and then be able to do something about it. Take care of yourself. Again, bring awareness to how you're feeling, how your body's feeling. If you're stressed, what might help relieve it? And sometimes it's a very simple answer. So just explore what options are out there and explore things that you don't think are options, but in a fantasy world, this could be possible if, you know, and sometimes brain will go to work trying to figure out solutions for how to make that happen. But you have to ask the question first. There are other relaxation techniques like deep breathing and progressive muscle relaxation. So anything to engage the vagus nerve, and that's going to help calm the body. So deep box breaths. So in for four counts, hold for four counts, out for four counts, hold for four counts, and then repeat, or, you know, however that works for you, it can be really helpful to take a deep breath and then let it out slower than what you inhaled. That helps to engage the, um, the, the, the vagus nerve and calm the nervous system as well. Um, progressive muscle relaxation is one that I really like, especially before bed, because you can do it just laying there, um, where you start at 
I usually start at my toes and really crunch them up and then take a breath in. And then as I breathe out, I release them and then focus on, you know, the calves, engage the calf muscles as you breathe in. And then as you breathe out, let that go. And then I kind of will do a, as I work up my body, I'm not allowed to move the rest of it. I'm just getting into relaxation and sleep mode. So moving up from feet to legs, to, you know, squeezing your butt, to clenching your abs, to engaging your pecs and your arms and your biceps and you squint, uh, scrunch up your neck, screw up your face. <laughs> you can make as many stops as you want to on the way up, depending on, you know, what's going on. But I swear by that as a technique that got me through school, I would not have been able to sleep very well if I did not have progressive muscle relaxation. That being said, sleep is another super, super, super important thing that you can do for stress. So when you sleep, fluid actually gets pushed into your brain and spinal cords and your cells kind of temporarily shrink a little bit in order for the fluid to be able to rinse out. Like some people call it a brainwash, <laughs> but in a good way, because as you're sleeping, it's getting rid of all of the stuff that's not supposed to be there. All of the waste products. Um, there's even like beta amyloid plaque or not plaques, but beta amyloid that floats around in there that can eventually build up and cause Alzheimer's. It helps to flush that out. So if you're not sleeping, you're at risk of leaving toxins built up in your brain and nervous system. And that is not what we want to do. Um, that it, losing sleep also increases insulin resistance. So you're more at risk for diabetes and high blood pressure. It can put you in a really poor mood. It zaps your energy. Like there's just not, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're not going to be able to function. One of the, I mean, I, I keep saying like everything is one of the most important things, but it's so true. Having a balanced life and balancing all these things can seem like a, a challenge, but it is very doable if you um, get creative sometimes. All right. The last thing that I think is very important as far as lifestyle is connection with other human beings. You may have a significant other, you may have a good friend, uh, but don't rely on one person alone to fulfill all of your needs. It is okay to need more than just that one person to live your life, right? You may have a significant other that fulfills a certain portion of your needs. And you might have a friend that you go do wild and crazy things with. Like I, I have a few people that I go skydiving with. My spouse has no interest in that. So I, I choose to go with other people to fulfill that particular need for me. It is okay. And we are not meant to just be one person alone or just a couple and, you know, block out the whole rest of the world. We're meant to rely on each other. We're meant to interact. We're meant to be humans together, right? I also want you to do something that makes you feel good as frequently as possible, like every day if possible. And it can be such a tiny, tiny thing, but what makes you feel alive? What is it for you that you might be able to add in to your daily life? And it again, does not have to take very long. It can be just a few seconds. All right, let's take a look at other things that you can take in order to reduce stress and anxiety. So herbal teas and other calming teas, that sort of thing is very helpful. So there are specific herbal blends that can be very anxiety reducing, stress reducing, very calming in the body. 
basically they can help take the edge off of stress and anxiety during the day, or they can be used in the evening to get the body to be calm before bed to improve your sleep. So peppermint is one of my favorites, whether it's dried or fresh. Um, I personally have a mint plant in a pot because it spreads like wildfire. Do not plant that in the ground. <laughs> um, but I have a mint plant that I just pick, pick off a few leaves every once in a while. And I make a mint tea out of it. And I actually put it just in my cold water bottle sometimes too, to give my cold water a little bit of a flavor. Um, it's amazing. I love the smell of peppermint, whether it's the plant or using a drop of essential oil to help to reduce the stress. Um, it can also help with things that are with nausea. If you ever have that, um, come up in your life. Chamomile is a widely known one that is great for bedtime, can help reduce stomach upset. Lavender, the smell can be very calming. It is not for me. I don't enjoy the smell of lavender very much. It's not the worst thing in the world, uh, but it's not what I would choose personally. Other people absolutely love it. Go for it. Can be very calming. I don't know about using it as a tea or that sort of thing. I don't like flower flavored teas, but anyway, uh, valerian is a great one to help calm the body for sleep. Green tea, um, specifically the L3-anine in green tea helps reduce anxiety, but the L3-anine alone is not the point. Like, I don't want you to just go out and buy some L3-anine, which you can do and it can help, but it's sort of like, it, it's only one ingredient in the plant that you're getting. So if you're avoiding the green tea itself or order and, and just bypassing it to get the, what's called the active ingredient, you're missing out on all the rest of it. So it's, I like to compare that to sort of like having only the eggs out of the whole cake. And I know cake is not necessarily the food that we want to focus on today, but think about it. Like just the one, if you only had one ingredient versus the whole cake, we don't know all the compounds that are in plants. So we want to eat the plants because we don't know how much of a synergistic effect all of the other things are, are having on us other than just that active ingredient, right? There are also adaptogenic herbal teas. So adaptogens are, um, a type of herb that helps to helps the body adapt to stress. It has been <clears throat> it has been used in Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine for a very long time, and it helps nudge the body to neutral. So if your cortisol is too high, it helps to nudge it down. If it's too low from long-term stress, it can help bump it up depending on what adaptogens they are. It can help make you more resilient to stress. So it reduces the impact of stress on the body. It helps to regulate the stress response system. It helps um, boost energy levels, some of them, and it helps calm the body down sometimes others. And sometimes it's the same one. Um, it is also, they're also neuroprotective. So it helps to protect the nerves, which are very important because we don't want to ha start having tingly, um, extremities or numbness in the body. Right. And I do want to, I want to make it very clear that I am not recommending adaptogens for you specifically. This is intended to be used as information, not recommendations that are specific to you. So please talk with your provider before you start any herbal things. There are interactions that some herbs have with medications. So just ask the questions. Um, and also know that not all providers are terribly familiar with the herbs. So maybe talk to an herbalist or a functional medicine provider that can help um, with getting the right herbal blend for you. So um, some adaptogenic herbs examples, you probably have heard of ashwagandha. 
um, rhodiola, panax, ginseng, holy basil, astragalus, licorice root. Those are all adaptogens. And it depends on which ones they are and what purpose you're using them for as to when you should take them and whether it's in, you know, tea form or capsule form or however, but ashwagandha and holy basil might be better for nighttime. If stress keeps you from falling asleep, it can be better to help reduce cortisol in the body and help you relax. Um, Siberian ginseng, rhodiola, and licorice are a little bit better in the morning. Um, licorice, especially because they tend to be a little bit more stimulating. They can sometimes raise the blood pressure, especially the licorice. So just be careful with that because it will, it will help give you more energy, but it can have other effects in the body. Um, there are some products that also combine adaptogens with nootropics, and there are some adaptogens that are nootropics, um, but nootropics help to boost brain function and nootropic herbs are what I'm talking about. There are medications that are technically considered to be nootropics, but they help with memory and cognition and focus. Bacopa is the one that I hear the most about, and it does take a few months of taking it for a noticeable difference. So it's not a instant gratification thing. Like some of the medications are that are like stimulants or caffeine, that sort of thing. Um, but it, it is effective. It is very helpful to help with, you know, memory and cognition. Rhodiola and Panax ginseng are also considered nootropics. And like I said, there are some adaptogens that are both and that those are two examples of that. All right, stepping away from the supplements, talking about self-care rituals. So just making sure that you are taking care of yourself, making sure you're allowing yourself time to rest regularly um, and also be active regularly. Um, personalizing your routine is one of the key things that will help keep you actually doing it because I can tell you that, oh, it's super helpful to meditate for 10 minutes and then journal and do all these things. But if that's not your thing, you're not going to stick to it. Whatever helps you feel good in your body and helps you relax is what I would recommend doing. So, um, in conclusion, <laughs> Food plays a significant role in mental health by either giving proper nutrients or not. So anything that causes inflammation, again, sends signals to the brain to pay attention. We want to reduce anything that's causing inflammation in the body. Increasing mindfulness, feeling feels, examining your thoughts can all help with mental health and physical health and bringing awareness to your body to help understand what signals your body is, is sending. Um, there's also, you know, different herbs and supplements that can be helpful with reducing anxiety and stress in the body. And I would encourage you to take some steps in whatever direction you feel most compelled to do. And if you ever need help with any of that, or would like to talk more in depth about recommendations specific to you, please reach out. I am always here. Thanks for listening in. Thank you for taking the time to listen in today. Many of you will be able to take the ideas that you've heard and apply them in your daily life. And that's really all you need. That's amazing. But for those of you who could use a little one-on-one -on -one help with how to make these things actually work for you in your real life, please reach out. The link to schedule a consult with me is in the show notes. You don't have to do this alone. See you soon.